0: friendship. Rose, where we're going, we don't need Rose. No, I am your father. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist.
1: You're listening to After the Ending, the only film podcast where we tell you what happens after the ending of your favorite films. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Spring and Phil Edwards hello everybody and welcome to another episode of your favorite movie podcast and mine it's after the ending i'm mike spring
0: and i'm phil edwards
1: and tonight we are here to blow your minds with fascinating and insightful movie commentary or alternatively we're just going to talk about movies and hopefully you'll find it a little bit entertaining one of those two things is going to happen i feel confident
0: Maybe somewhere in the middle—that could be the sweet
1: spot. <laughs> maybe that's what we should aim for. Yeah, that sounds—that sounds a little better than maybe setting such a lofty goal right off the bat. But I feel like, you know, I don't know. Maybe we will blow people's minds.
0: Let's let's aim for being magnificently average and that <laughs> All
1: right, I'm okay with that. I can do that. <laughs> Uh, Well, if you are watching or listening, whatever way you are taking in after the ending, we are super happy that you're here with us. Uh, We are very appreciative for everybody who checks in on our podcast. I just thought I'd get that out of the way early. You know why? Now, this won't matter to you, Phil, but here in America, in the U.S. of A., uh, Thanksgiving is next week. So I'm feeling a little thankful today. So I wanted to make sure that all of our consumers of our podcast, if you will, viewers and or listeners, uh, know how thankful we are for them checking us out whenever they do.
0: I am thankful. Also, I'm thankful that you're thankful for Thanksgiving.
1: That's right. Yeah. And you know, uh, to celebrate that U- U.S. only holiday, we we picked a very Thanksgiving themed uh, <laughs> bunch of movies to talk about. You know, like a hitman action thriller and Harrison Ford. Which, if I mean, if that, if those things don't scream Thanksgiving, then I don't know what does.
0: I know. Yeah. Well, that was the the whole basis, wasn't it? Thanksgiving. Obviously, it's Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx in a Michael Mann movie.
1: Yeah, yeah. Michael Mann known for his warm sentimentality. <laughs> yeah. And Everything let's not forget Harrison Ford's, you know, very popular trilogy of Thanksgiving movies, you know, which is, you know, Grumpy Thanksgiving Man 1, 2, and 3, which, of course, were big, huge hits worldwide for him.
0: Yeah, I like the third one. Uh, this turkey's not for keeping. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I'm a fan of part two, The Based is Back. Um, oh. you know, I, I like that one also. I think it's really it's a solid trilogy all the way through.
0: Yes, it is. It is. But uh, while it's on about Thanksgiving, uh, a popular film that's based around Thanksgiving is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. That's right. And if you want to know what we thought about that uh, after the ending wise, we did that way, way back in episode three.
1: Wow, episode oh. three. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. Be, uh, word of caution, if you are like, hey, I love it, Plants, Trains, and Automobiles, I'm going to go back and listen to that episode. We were not... Um polished yet at that I mean some would argue we're not polished yet now after like five years of doing this but still we were way less polished back in episode three uh yeah. we probably had not hit our stride yet so just in case you go back and check that out just just listen to it with a grain of salt is all I am saying or maybe a slice of cranberry sauce you know something exactly like
0: and uh I cannot say what our endings were like because I cannot remember because it was oh, years God. ago now
1: yeah I can't remember what our endings were like last episode much less <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting to go
0: back and listen to it myself
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be fun. Actually, fun and cringy. You would probably be like, "Oh God, please make it stop."
0: <laughs> oh yeah, cause, yeah. I was very nervous the first few episodes.
1: Yeah, that's all right. We we all were a little a little nervous. It was it was a new thing. So, um, but yeah, that's that's a fun one to to go back and revisit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, so Phil, let's yeah. tell people. Uh, so that's the past. Let's talk about the present, the future. What are we going to talk about tonight? Tell tell our listeners and viewers what we're talking about tonight.
0: Tonight. We will be just going after the ending of Collateral, the 2004 American thriller starring the aforementioned uh, Tom Cruise, who's a little one actor who one day may hit the big time. That's right. uh, it also yeah. stars Jamie Fox and is directed by Michael Mann. The film yep. also stars Jada Pinkett Smith, Mark Ruffalo, Peter Berg, Javier Bardem and Bruce McGill. So it's quite, it's quite a good cast. Oh, and yeah. also it's got a yeah. cameo by uh, Jason Statham who could be the same character from the, the transporter films, but he may not be, but it it fits in my head canon, so that's the way we're going to yeah, go. Yeah, yeah,
1: I like that.
0: And like that. also we're going to be do, talking about our top five favourite Harrison Ford film roles that are not Indiana Jones or Han Solo.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's an important distinction to make because, I mean, look, I'm sure there's somebody out there who would probably be like, well, my top five Harrison Ford list wouldn't even include Han Solo and Indiana Jones, but... There's always people who want to watch the world burn, you know, and let's be honest, for 99% of the people out there, if you're going to do a top five Harrison Ford roles list, Han Solo and Indy are going to be the top two. And maybe you might reverse who's Han Solo and who, you know, who puts Han Solo number one, who puts Indy number one, but like, they're going to be on there. But we wanted to talk about Harrison Ford, you know, and uh, we decided this is just, we're going to put them in the penalty box and we're going to talk about non-Indy, non-Han Solo roles for Harrison Ford now now this is so some of you may remember and some of you may not this is a little bit of a throwback when we um so for our first 100 episodes we did the 100 years of Hollywood and 100 episodes we, we each episode we reviewed like our top 10 list of a year of movies when we finished that uh we decided to start doing like top five lists for our favorite act filmmakers and director or actors and directors mm-hmm. um and we went through a handful of well-known actors and directors. And then COVID hit, and uh, we sort of stopped doing the podcast for a while, which wasn't really intentional. I always wonder about that, Phil. I'm getting off onto asides sides here. But, like, you know, we never are in the same room anyway. We yeah, record yeah. from our houses. So I'm not quite sure why we took such a long break. But it was a fairly long break. Yeah. Um, and uh, I guess because we weren't going to see movie, I don't know. Whatever. Anyway. Well, so well, then well, we well,
0: started... There was stuff going on with uh in my life as well and things which made
1: it oh, that's right, that's right. We had some stuff going on and things were crazy, and you know, yeah, it was COVID everything was crazy, everyone knows that, but anyway. So, when we came back to doing it, we sort of got into our just doing the regular top five lists again, and we sort of dropped the 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 weekly you know actor or director top five, but we want to pepper them in again because we we like doing those, so we kind of are gonna do you know our our normal. Normal format for the show we do our after the endings then we'll do a top five list the top five might just be one of those random like top five car chase scenes or it might be top five roles from an actor top five movies from a director, you know, things like that. Um, uh, so, so this uh, is kind of that, getting back to that. Go ahead, Phil.
0: Well, mentioning the top five as well as a good points uh, regular viewers will know but if you're just joining us if you're watching this live on the video, it's uh, on Facebook, YouTube. Uh, yeah, but wherever it's, you're watching it, if it's live, you can leave comments where it's playing and we can see them. Yes. And so now you can, or after the fact as well on any of the podcast places, if you want to leave suggestions about uh, other top five lists we could do, that's always good. Throw them our way. We will we will mention who uh, suggested them as well. And if you're watching it live, you can also leave comments and join the discussion about the films that we're mentioning and, and whatever you think about our endings and so on and so forth.
1: Yes, that would be great. And speaking of, real quickly, uh, Phil, are you watching the YouTube page? Uh, or Because I remember last time we had some issues seeing comments, so I want to make sure we see them all. So oh, I've yeah. got the Facebook page up in case there's any comments that come through on Facebook but not on StreamYard. I don't know if you have the YouTube page up just in case. I have the
0: YouTube page up now.
1: Uh, yeah, the if, you, if, you, if you watch one, I'll watch the other, you know what I mean, type of thing.
0: Yeah. Got that there. That's good to go.
1: Right,
0: cool. Oh yes, there we go. Thank you, Chad A. Bedet. We do see this.
1: Hey, look at that. We do, Chad. Hey, that's Chad, friend of the show. Uh, We've—I've uh, been on Chad's uh, podcast, um, uh, video show uh, many times, and Chad is a great guy. And I uh, went to New York Comic Con with him this year. So, hello, Chad. I'm glad you're watching. Happy to have you here, and thank you for testing that out for us. I appreciate it. So, we are seeing it on streamer. That's good. But I'm going to keep. I'll check the old. Yeah. Uh, facebook once in a while and you can check youtube once in a while too so yeah all right sense. well that was riveting for listeners and viewers for us talking about uh yeah. <laughs> seeing comments but let's uh let's get into things then let's talk about um collateral and uh, share our endings for that so uh so phil let's let's as always let's start with uh what do you think how do you feel about collateral
0: uh, i quite like it actually i think i like it more than the first time i saw because it's a uh, sort of close to when it first came out.
1: yeah, That's right.
0: uh, And then I didn't see it for... I think I only saw it once then, and then I think it got mentioned again. I think it was something about maybe a few years back, the whole Jason Statham transporter thing, and I went, oh, yeah. Meant to watch it then and didn't, and then rewatched it about six months ago. And I I really enjoyed it. I do quite like Michael Mann films anyway, but Mm -hmm. I enjoyed this one, I think, more now than I did when I first saw it. I'm not sure why, but it whole, the whole vibe, the whole... The way the city is. Tom Cruise playing a bad guy. Uh, was, yeah. was yeah. I mean, It was nice. The fact he was playing against type, obviously, but the, the luck he had as well with the grey hair, the whole Hitman vibe. Jamie Foxx is great. I always find him really good in mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. I've seen him, in. to be honest. Yeah, yeah so yeah. That, yeah. that was good. And it was nice seeing all the other actors just pop up, the ones I mentioned before, because I'd forgotten they were all in it. But I enjoyed right. it, the way the story yeah. developed, it went around. I couldn't quite remember how it got from A to B. But I enjoyed the journey. It was nice watching it again. What
1: yeah. about you? Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, I, I I do like the film actually quite a bit, even though I'm not a big Michael Mann fan in general. Uh, but it does make some good films. But what's interesting is I actually never saw it originally. Like, you know, there's those films that come and go that everyone's seen, but you sort of miss. And you're always like, I know I got to get around to that film. And you just, yeah, yeah. You just don't for some reason. Uh, that was collateral for me. Um, I actually didn't. It was, it was one of those ones I wanted to see it and I knew I needed to see it, and I just never got around to it till probably a year or two ago, I would say. Um, and I was a little worried because it is a really well-liked film, and everyone was always like, oh, you got to see Collateral's great, it's so good, and this and that. And I was worried, you know, sometimes the hype can build up, and then you watch the film and you're disappointed. So I was, oh, yeah. I was a little worried that I was going to watch it and it would be, like, disappointing. But actually, I loved it. I thought it was really good. Um, like you said, the performances are great. I thought it was, you know, it really... Hit that sweet spot for me of like a good action thriller, you know, with like lots of good action, but good characters, well written, well directed, you know, um, exciting and visceral, you know, and yeah. and uh, a good story, but lots of good action. You know, it just um, it's right. Like I said, right in that sweet spot of movies that I love because I'm, you know, unabashedly an action film junkie. Um, and so, yeah, no, I, I think it's a great film, actually. I really yeah. it's one of my favorite Michael Mann films, actually.
0: Yeah, it's good. It's uh, yeah. And some nice twists and turns as it goes on. and some great action scenes
1: yeah surprisingly hard to recap also as i wrote my recap i was kind of like i'm not going to go into all all of this stuff so if i forgot anything important you let me know but uh you know all right well let's get into it then let me go ahead and give us the recap for those of you who maybe it's been a little while since you've seen it um collateral from 2004 directed by michael mann starring tom cruise and jamie Foxx and all the other people that you said so great cast for sure um so here's the story max durocher durocher i forget how to pronounce his last name max Uh, played by Jamie Foxx, is a Los Angeles cab driver who drops off U.S. Attorney's Office Prosecutor Annie Farrell, uh, played by Jada Pinkett Smith, at her office. They had had a nice conversation in the cab, and she gives him her card. Max then picks up a new fare named Vincent, played by Tom Cruise, who offers to pay Max to drive him to several locations throughout the night so he can complete a business deal. At the first stop, a corpse falls onto Max's cab from couple stories up, and Vincent reveals that he is a hitman who is in town to kill five people in one night. He forces Max to drive him around, and then a bunch of stuff happens, uh, including Vincent killing more people, a police detective named Ray Fanning following Vincent's crime spree across the city, uh, an FBI agent named Frank Pedrosa getting involved, and Max and Vincent visiting moms, Max's mom in the hospital, where we learn that Max has been lying to her about owning his own limo company instead of being a cab driver um uh, max destroys vincent's briefcase with the information on the last two targets so vincent makes him impersonate him and go get the info from a ruthless drug dealer then max crashes his cab on purpose uh vincent escapes he discovers that vincent's final final target is annie farrell the woman he dropped off in the beginning who was a prosecutor for the u.s attorney's office so he chases after vincent and manages to save annie and wound vincent then max and annie go on the run but vincent chases them onto a metro train but ultimately max basically it's lucky and shoots and kills vincent uh and then annie and max get off the train and vincent's body continues riding the empty train as the end credits roll and that is the condensed version of collateral Yep, yeah,
0: excellent yeah you summed it all up very well
1: Thank you. All right. So uh, I feel like I went first last time, but I don't remember. So I'm happy to go first if you'd rather I do or if you'd like to go first, you can. It's up I'm to you fine. You I'm can. All right. Well, let's have, let's hear it then.
0: OK. Uh, Max had spent the last two years trying to forget the events of his night with Vincent. Seeing people being murdered and almost dying himself had been hard to him. A therapist had helped for a while, but they'd ended up arguing. So Max stopped going. The recent news of yet another murder spree in LA didn't help. It seemed to be a new one copping up every few months. He met up with Anna t- a couple of times, but their shared trauma made it difficult to be together and they lost touch with each other. Max was still saving uh, for his limo, but he spent more and more time in his cab. He started keeping notes on his passengers and he'd installed a hidden camera to take photos of them. He wanted to make sure he had a record, a list of people in case one of them ended up being like Vincent. Sometimes Max felt like he was losing himself. It was a quiet November. Uh, it was a quiet November night. Max had stopped for something to eat. He was watching a crowd outside a new nightclub when he saw a man with grey hair and a light suit push through the crowd. No, it couldn't be. Vincent was dead, wasn't he? Max had to be sure. He rushed over to the nightclub and made his way inside. It was packed, but he saw the grey haired man enter the gent's toilet. Max followed. It seemed empty, it seemed empty. And then he heard the click of a gun. In the mirror, Max watched as Vincent approached. Hi Max, it's been a while. You're dead, said Max. Am I, smiled Vincent, as he pressed the gun into Max's hand. It's time to continue our work, Vincent continued. What are you talking about, asked Max. Come on, Max, said Vincent. We do this every time. I made you, I need you, I am you. Max remembered. He looked at the list of names in his hand, and then he looked in the mirror. He was the only one there and always had been. He checked the pistol and headed out to make his next kill. And that's my ending.
1: Yay! I love it. That's fantastic. I really, at first, I was nervous for a minute that you were going the same direction I went, which made me really nervous, but <laughs> you didn't, for one. And for two, I really like that. I like the idea that all of that stuff that happened in the first film was like, you know, all in his head or maybe, you know, that he was the only guy the whole time, kind of a nice little like psycho kind of split personality. Yeah, well, so either, the, either that or,
0: of, it's either the whole of it was or maybe the events of that night just made him. Right. Uh, right. Maybe that,
1: him. maybe the events of that night happened, but ever since then, yeah. he's been. You know killing people with because of because of Vincent you know like either way it works and it was very cool yeah
0: yeah thank you very much
1: yeah I like that very well done also glad you didn't go the same direction I went because I've like well, it's been a while cool.
0: since I've done a serial killer thing so I thought I'd try and get one
1: <laughs> yes and for uh for time listeners they will celebrate that's just a weird <laughs> thing to say that but uh but for for newer <laughs> listeners uh you know all, all I can say is that that Phil especially in our earlier episodes had quite the penchant for uh for introducing serial killers into the after-the-endings of, like, any movie. I was like, you know, <laughs> e, the bad news bears, like Babe, Pig in the City, and he would be like, there, let me throw in a serial killer. I made up those examples, listeners, yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, it was It is... It, is it, it strangely makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside whenever Phil <laughs> brings uh, a, a serial killer into the proceedings. It just feels like home, you know? Well,
0: I'm, I'm just waiting <laughs> for you to bring the bus driver back to... Uh, to, uh, to <laughs>
1: That's right. I forgot about the bus driver who would randomly kill off characters I didn't like. That's <laughs> I got to bring that back now that you mentioned it. I completely forgot about that, but you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, again, I for... comment,
0: uh, from Chad as well about that. Thank you very much, Chad.
1: That's <laughs> there you go. Thanks, Chad. Chad says, Let me, help him. let me put that on screen. We'd like to share our, our comments on, on screen. Chad says, I'd see that movie. Yeah, I would too, Chad. That sounds like a really interesting film. Yes, yeah, so Michael Mann, uh, call me yeah right exactly and if you don't if you know if there's not enough uh what you need in there we'll throw the bus driver in my, my bus driver who kills off <laughs> annoying characters he will not be appearing tonight but now that you have reminded me about him i uh can't promise he might not show up for future episodes so <laughs> okay well so, hit me with yeah. it come on all right here we go okay so um annie and max go to the police and report the incident uh, a pair of detectives named martin and roger Raj- are assigned to the case and they follow up on all the dead bodies from the night and confirm that Max's version of events is accurate. But when the poli- when police officers search the metro train, Vincent's body is nowhere to be seen. Max is sure that he hit Vincent in his vital organs and there's no way he survived, but Martin informs him he's seen a lot of bad guys who are seemingly dead pop up again. Martin and Roger place Annie and Max in protective custody until they can find Vincent or locate his body. Pulled up in a safe house in Los Angeles, Max and Annie get to know each other. And Roger tells Max that there was actually a significant reward for Vincent's capture as he's been a wanted hitman for over 30 years. Max comments that he didn't look old enough to have been a hitman that long, but they don't give it all that much more thought as Max is pretty excited that he can use the reward money to finally start his limousine company. The first few nights are pretty quiet and Max and Annie's relationship continues to grow. But then the third night, the power in the safe house suddenly goes out. Roger and Martin draw their guns and Roger says, Riggs, I'm getting too old for this. But before he can finish his sentence, (laughs) the window explodes and there stands Vincent. Riggs and Murtaugh empty their clips into Vincent and he goes down and Riggs says, see, they always pop up again. You just got to kill the bad guys twice. Maybe three times is the charm, comes a voice and everyone turns to see Vincent standing up again. That's impossible, Murtaugh murmurs. What you call impossible, I call life, Vincent hisses, and then bares his teeth and reveals a set of gleaming fangs. (laughs) As the vampire, once known as Lestat, launches into a monologue about how he'd grown boring, bored killing humans with his vampiric abilities and became a hitman so he could practice killing using only man-made means, Riggs pulls a grenade out of his pocket and yells, run, before throwing it at Vincent. The humans scramble as the grenade blows up in front of Vincent, shredding his body. Where the hell did you get a grenade, Murtaugh asks. Come on, Roger, I always carry an extra grenade, Riggs replies. As Lestat begins to rejuvenate, Riggs breaks off a chair leg and drives the stake through his heart, ending Vincent slash Lestat forever. Max and Annie recover from the grenade shockwave, and as the four of them make their way out of the house, Max asks Murtaugh and Riggs, is it always this crazy with you guys? Riggs Laughs and says, "Just another day at the office." As the sound <laughs> of police sirens fills the air, the group sits on the curb and marvels at what they just experienced. And that oh, is I, the end. that's excellent. <laughs> thank you, thank you. That's why, why I was worried when you said that he sees Vincent in line for the club, and oh, I was like, "And yeah, you said yeah. he was still alive?" I was like, "Oh man, please tell me you didn't turn him into the vampire Lestat, also, because that would I mean, have a really in bad." Coincidence. You know, but. <laughs> It dawned on me that, you know, Vincent could still be alive because, and I figured the timeline actually works out because in the end of the interview with the vampire, the last time we see Lestat is in the 80s. So I feel like, because this is 2004, he could have then turned into becoming a hitman and it all ties together.
0: Yeah, you could actually, watching uh, Collateral, the other way Tom Cruise acts, acts in it, you could easily see him being a, a vampire in that, yeah. Right,
1: right. the whole movie takes good. place at night, right? We never it's see him during right, the day. Right. And he's, so, always,
0: he's always ridiculously confident when he's going into fights and everything.
1: Right, right, because he knows he can't die. If somebody shoots him or something, it's not going to kill him because he's a vampire. Yeah. Oh, very good. I like sense.
0: that. I like that.
1: Thanks. And then I just threw a Merton Riggs because I figured, hey, it's L.A. Oh, you know, yeah. Why not? Why not? Why not? <laughs> it seemed fun. Good, good. All right. Well, there you go. Those are our endings for Collateral, a fine film that you should check out if you haven't seen it. And hopefully, you enjoyed our endings and uh, let us know what you thought.
0: Yes, excellent stuff. I enjoyed them.
1: Likewise, I feel like we both were uh, on point tonight. You know, I feel like we both uh, delivered a game. Uh, maybe, maybe, see, maybe we are blowing people's minds, like I mentioned earlier in the, the episode.
0: Blowing minds like Vincent right. blew the minds out of the people in. No, that's. that's, that's... Bad.
1: Because like nobody was expecting Vincent to be a vampire, man. It was like, oh, holy cow! I didn't see that coming. Right? Like I'm just saying that could be that could be what's happening. is all I'm saying. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Possible. Good stuff. Good stuff. Indeed. All right. So now it's time for our top five list, and for this top five list, Phil, tell us what we're doing. Tell everybody what we're doing. I know we already set it, but tell us again. Set it up. I'm excited tonight.
0: I'm pointing Launch like it. the person we're doing pointing, Harrison Ford style pointing. Yes, it's <laughs> uh, we're doing top five Harrison Ford roles, film roles that do not involve Indiana Jones or Han Solo.
1: There you That's go. That's it. Yeah, we love Harrison Ford. Let's, I guess, let's do it. Let's do it the, the same format we do our endings. Phil, how do you feel about Harrison Ford?
0: I think he's great. I love him uh, because, well, because he was in some of the my favorite films during my formative years. Uh, he's still going he's please indiana jones five but i'm going to call it four because yeah four didn't exist
1: because, because as of right um, now there's only three indiana jones movies yeah yeah i hope
0: i hope the new indiana jones films look is going to be good i saw the there was a trailer for it which leaked i watched that even though it was at a funny angle oh really uh, somebody posted it looks the trailer was really good Mm. trailer and I saw it at a funny angle So, but it's it's apparently James Mangold said the new trailer is due out over the next few weeks so that would okay. be good. But, no, I do like him, he's been in lots of roles, of different film roles different things which I've I've liked, I enjoy him in pretty much anything he's in He've, he's been in some films which weren't so good but I've still enjoyed him, he's also been in lots of classic films or big films even though they're just smaller roles like Apocalypse Now he's in a tiny little bit in that and a few others which it's, it's always good seeing him creep up uh pop up in different things but no i really really like him uh and i love the fact that he's always doing his own thing flying around in his plane rescuing people crashing and surviving doing all that but uh yeah i like him what about you
1: I mean, yeah, he's one of my favorites. Honestly, I will basically watch any Harrison Ford movie. You know, and and uh, look, like I I get it. Like a lot of people of a certain age grew up with Harrison Ford as Han Solo and Indiana Jones, which is maybe the greatest one-two character punch in all of film history, right? I mean, yeah. even Rocky and Rambo, which we all know what A big Stallone fan I am, but you know, they don't even compare like to being as iconic as Han Solo and Indiana Jones. So like, of course, he gets instant goodwill for the rest of his life for playing those two characters, but. You know, like you said, he's he's made a few not so good movies, but like he's made a lot of really good movies. Like he's had a great career. And I think people sort of dismissed him as an actor because he, you know, had a lot of movies early on where he sort of leaned into that Han Solo, Indiana Jones charm and just sort of kind of played a variation on that character. But um, I think he's a really good actor. I think he doesn't get enough credit, honestly, for being a good actor as opposed to just being a movie star, you know. Um, and I, and I recognize that sometimes he can just play Harrison Ford, you know, but I thought, I think going through the list tonight to put this list together and looking through all the movies he's made, first of all, he's made a lot of movies that I really enjoy, even many that weren't successful, but that I think are really good movies. And I actually had a hard time picking his best five roles because he's got so many good ones, you know? Um, so, so yeah, I, 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 I think he's great. He's one of my all time favorites. He always will be, um. And, you know, I'm excited for anything that he does. And I think he's actually done some really interesting stuff late in his career. So, you know, good yeah. for him.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's good that he is carrying on doing different things like oh, okay. that.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, he could have just, just, you know, phoned it in and started doing, like, you know, nothing roles or being one of these guys who shows up in every direct-to-video movie for five seconds so that they can put his name on the cover. But he doesn't do that. He's, like, a legitimate, bona fide movie star actor who still headlines movies, you know, or at least yeah. does great supporting roles, you know, and, uh, you know, he's never kind of cheapened his brand in my opinion. And I think that's fantastic.
0: Yeah, totally agree.
1: All so right. We... So let's, uh, get into our top five then, shall we?
0: Yeah. Do you want to kick things off? Cause I did. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So again, this is no Indiana Jones, no Han Solo in, in this list guys. So anybody listening, it is that's, it's all non those films. So, and,
0: and it's just our opinions. So no need to argue.
1: (laughs) A healthy debate is fine. We would love to hear comments from you guys, you know, but uh, you know, these are our opinions and, and, you know, at least as far as I'm concerned, mine are always right. So, you know, (laughs) It kind of makes them like a fact, but anyway, um, so my number five, uh, and so, oh, real quickly, Phil, so we just for quick criteria, if you will, I always try to give people kind of a little glimpse into our thought process. Right. So Mm -hmm. for this one, and we sort of kind of, you know, chatted about it briefly when we, before we put the list together, just saying, I was like, is it more about the character more about his performance or a little bit of both? And we both agreed that we were kind of going from the approach of both, right? Like it's a combination of a good character, but also a good performance, not just one or the other, you know what I mean? Uh, sort of that sweet spot in the middle of like, hey, this is a great role because he does a great job in it, and the character is interesting. There's something about the character that that really works also. So that was that was our criteria for this. So my number five then um, is uh, from the film 42, uh, starring Chadwick Boseman and Harrison Ford plays Branch Rickey, a, the real life uh, owner or manager. I forget of the. Gosh, I didn't do my research. Uh, The Los Angeles Dodgers, I think it was. The team that first brought on uh, Jackie Robinson. Um, And what I like about this part for Harrison Ford was it's one of the few movies where he sort of embraced his age because Branch Rickey was an older gentleman and he has like the white beard kind of thing and he's kind of this crotchety old man type character but who also sort of deep down is like a decent human being and, and like you know, is, uh, you know, not the nicest person in the world. He's not just there to be like Jackie Robinson's like white savior, you know, but he does also stick up for him when he needs to because he wants his team to win, you know, and I thought yeah. that was a neat approach. I'm sure it's how it probably was in real life, but I just thought that, You know, for for Harrison Ford, who plays these action heroes or these charming romantic leads to kind of come in and play this like maybe slightly racist old guy, but also a guy who's motivated enough to win that he can overlook that. Um, I thought it was a neat kind of branching out for him, a different type of character. I just thought he played the part really well. You know, he made the character... You know, straddle that line between likable and not so likable, but just just enough on the side of likable that you don't hate the guy. You know what I mean? Um, But you're not idolizing him either. Um, So I I don't know how he compares to the real Branch Rickey, but I thought that it was a good performance and a good character and something different from him. So that's my number five from the film 42, uh, which starred the late, great Chadwick Boseman. Um, Good film. Definitely worth watching. Not one of his best, um, but a solid film. And that's my number five.
0: Yeah, it's a good film. Uh, didn't make my list for his role in that, but no, it's, it's a very good film with great performance as well. Uh, but uh, my number five is all the way back from 1979, and it's a Western comedy which uh, where Harrison Ford stars alongside Gene Wilder. It's the Frisco Kid, and uh, Harrison Ford plays a bank robber called – I had the name written down – Tommy Lillard, and it's basically – uh, Jim Wilder's playing a, a rabbi who goes to America, uh, and on his on his journey, he ends up getting involved in various shenanigans. meets up with the bank robber Tommy Lillard, who takes him under his wing and protects him, and helps him. and They help each other. They get involved in bank robberies, shootouts, and things like that. And it's uh, Tommy is a great character. He's a well, he's a cowboy, which is often cool anyway. He's laid back though. It's it's Harrison Ford before no yeah when was it actually made actually because i'm not sure whether just want to check uh, yeah i don't, don't know when it was
1: made but i do know that it was definitely a very early on uh in his career i mean obviously so i think it
0: yeah so it started in filming 1978 so yeah it was after so hans star wars was 77 so it was like that so it's it, the character's kind of like a han solo thing where he's a bit of you know a bit cheeky charming right the gun and everything but it's 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 he's more laid back but it's the repartee between uh between them both Jim wilder and harrison ford not not two people you'd normally put together but it works really well uh, harrison ford looks like he's having a lot of fun doing it i imagine he had a bit of a laugh uh on behind the scenes but it's a it's a great little role it's one of those films which people might have read about but they might not have seen it's worth tracking down if you can if you can watch it but yeah it's a real it's a good it's a good hand Solo cowboy kind of thing but not quite hand Solo and it's a bit bit more uh, I'm trying to think of the, how to separate them no just check it watch it it's it's a good film watch it it's a good
1: role <laughs> So I I love the Frisco Kid. It didn't it didn't make my list. Um, it was one of my favorite movies when I was a kid, and it was one of the because he was in it, and I wanted to watch mm-hmm. it because it was Han Solo, and it was it's a very funny film. The main reason it didn't make my list is because actually it's been a very long time since I've I've.
0: Yeah, watched yeah.
1: it. I do actually have a Blu-ray copy of it uh, downstairs in my pile of movies to watch. I just haven't popped it in recently. And so since it's been so many years since I've seen it, I decided to leave it off my list because I do like to sort of, you know, have something to be in a semi-recent memory before I, I put it high on a list, you know, when there's so many other good choices. But great choice because it is a good film. And, uh, you know, I think that was uh, that's an excellent, excellent choice to make it on the list.
0: Thank you. So that's my number
1: five. All right. So my number four might come as a surprise to some people that it's only my number four, Um, but this is how I feel, so who cares? No, um, but it's uh, it's from 1982, and it is the role of Deckard in Blade Runner. Um, And I know some people would be like, oh, well, non-indie, non-Han Solo, Deckard's got to be number one, right? But uh, not for me. Uh, As we've talked about on the show, I'm not the biggest Blade Runner fan in the world. I like the movie. I don't love the movie. I do the reason it made my list over some other movies that I I also wanted to include was because because it was made post Star Wars and Indiana Jones um and because he was so well known for his you know charm and humor and wit and and all that stuff at this time I think that it was kind of a a solidly bold choice to play deckard who's a very you know serious dour kind of character right you know he could have tried to make deckard much more funny much more charming but he really doesn't he kind of plays deckard's kind of a bastard like not really but he's not like a real nice guy he's not warm and fuzzy you know what i mean um so i like that about the character i think it's a bold choice for him and i do like blade runner but again it's not one of my Favorite movies or anything like I know some people really adore it. So number four seemed like kind of the sweet, you know, the, the right place for it to land for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is is Deckard in Blade Runner? So that's Good my
0: number stuff. four. Excellent. Uh, Deckard didn't make my my list. Oh, what interesting.
1: Was I wasn't sure if it would or not. So that's yeah. uh, that is interesting.
0: I think we've we've mentioned we've always discussed Blade Runner a few times though. When I yeah, as I've said before, always looks stunning. Always love the look of it. But every time I right. watch it, it just seems to just. I, I like it less and less.
1: No, I get that, but I, I still movie. wanted to kind of give him a little bit of credit yeah. for it I yeah, so I'm, think glad, it I'm
0: glad you mentioned it because it's a good, it's a good performance, uh, good, good character as well, uh, and I like the character showing up again in Blade Runner 2049, which was nice. But uh, I'm glad I made your list Then, yeah. Uh, okay, my there number four, is a film from uh, 2010, and it is Morning Glory, where he plays ah. uh, a TV news reporter, news anchor uh, called Mike Pomeroy. Mike yeah. Pomeroy, uh, this is sort of. I quite like the film, it's one of those. It reminds me of the old screwball comedy starring Cary Grant, you know, and the uh, you know, My Girl Friday, that kind of thing. But it's set 2010 in a news, an American morning news show, and it's uh, he's, he's leaning into his grumpy old man prefer, you know, role, which he's done in a few things, and often I think people often seem to tie. Harrison Ford into that, that he's like that all the time. But no, I I quite like the fact he's he's leaning into that. But he's doing is it's it's nice seeing him in the in the uh, in the context of this 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 news program uh, doing all these different. uh, And Rachel McAdams, character, is trying to change that and trying to make him uh, push himself out of a safe zone and things. But it's the way he the way he interacts with them all and the way he just he's always right and he has to get things just so. I just, I think it's one of his better, clumpy old man performances compared to some of the other ones, and I, I find the film charming. Rachel McAdams is great at it as well. Uh, just, I, I like the whole ensemble, but I do like Harrison Ford the way he just seems to be this, this pillar between amongst everybody else, amongst all the chaos going on around him.
1: So I'm glad that that made your list because actually did not make mine, but it was on my short list. I have That's a few. Um, honorable mentions I'll mention afterwards because I wanted to include a few extras. Um, And that was one of them because it's a, it's a really fun film. And I, I, again, I like his performance in it. You know, he kind of, he, he kind of, you know, is a little more arrogant and a little more, you know, (laughs) Uh, he's not just, again, the, the sort of, you know, the likable guy. And I thought it was, it's a, it's a fun film and he's great in it. That's a whole great cast. So I'm really glad you mentioned that one. Morning Glory is definitely a film that a lot of people did not see, but is worth seeing. So, yeah, yeah. nice yeah. choice. Nice choice. Okay. okay. So my number three then is uh, from 2000 and what year I looked it up to, I forgot to write it down. It's from Tooth. hanging on, I got it right here. The 2003, I can't believe it's been that long. Two thousand three, it is Hollywood Homicide, uh, where he plays Sergeant Joe Gavlin. Um, not a again, not a film a lot of people have seen.
0: I had a feeling it's, this would be on your list because
1: you've mentioned it. Yeah, this you think really. Yeah, it's him and Josh Hartnett. I think we talked about it a while back in the in the last five movies we watched when we did that when we do that segment. Yeah, I think yeah. that might be where we talked about it recently. Um, it's a comedy. They play cops, um, you know, solving a crime. But what's funny because it's in Hollywood is everybody's got a side hustle going on. Josh Hartnett's trying to be an actor, and and Joe Gavilan is a real estate agent. He's trying to dump this property that he's got, and he's trying to kind of drive bidding between two of his own clients, between like a rapper and the guy selling the house. And so what it's, I think it's a really fun film. Uh, I re- I really like it quite a bit. But what I think is great is about about his role in it. Um, is that it's it's one of the few times you see him playing a character who's really like harried and stressed out because he's trying to solve this case on the one hand, but he's trying to deal with this uh, real estate disaster on the other hand, and it sort of gets out of his control. And at one point, he really screws things up. So it's like, he's got this air of desperation to him, you know, and that's so different for Harrison Ford, where he's usually the the calm, cool, collected, you know, the, 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 the smarmy, you know, the in-charge kind of guy, the action hero. So to see him sort of like, being like half a pretty good cop, but also kind of like half of a not so good real estate agent at the same time. Um, I, I, I just think he handled the part really well. And I, and I like the movie quite a bit and it's again, something different for him. You know, I think, you know, he can play that, that Harrison Ford action hero, type character the Han Solo Indiana Jones type character in his sleep you know so for me what I what I gravitated to on my list were things where he did something a little bit different than that and um and this one I just like that this character is kind of a little bit desperate you know and it's a different look but he pulls it off really well um so yeah, 2003's Hollywood Homicide. It's a really fun film if you haven't seen it. I definitely recommend it. It's not like it's not like it's going to blow not going to blow your mind. Uh <laughs> it's not going to change your worldview or anything, but it's like a solidly entertaining way to kill an hour and 45 minutes. Um, you know, and and, and again, Scott Harrison Ford and what's not to like, you know what I mean? So that's my number 3.
0: Good stuff. Yeah. I need to watch that again. I only saw it once and-
1: Yeah, you oh, know, yeah. It's, I I'm sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you there, but I um I felt this. I saw it when it came out. I remember being like, "Yeah, it was pretty good," but it was nothing great. I, mean, I watched it again earlier this year, actually, and I actually re- I think I enjoyed it more this time because I had no expectations for it. And I think if you watched it once and kind of forgot about it, it, you you know, it's probably on a streaming service somewhere. You know, give it a watch again. I think you might you might be surprised by how much you enjoy it.
0: Yeah, I'll definitely do that. Yeah, cool. Okay, well, my number three. It's uh, it's another one that uh, the role is a bit different from what he played before. It's from 1986. Uh, directed by Peter Weir, and it's the Mosquito Coast, yeah. where he stars alongside Helen Mirren, and Harrison and Helen are getting back together for the new Yellowstone prequel show, 1923. A mm-hmm. new tea mm-hmm. to drop for that. And the film also stars Andre Gregory, River Phoenix, Martha Plimpton, and lots of, well, a few other pe- pieces, but it's based on the novel of the same name by Paul Thoreau, and it's about a, a man and an inventor, Harrison uh, Ford's character called Ali Fox, who takes his family uh, into the jungle because yeah, he's 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 grown fed up with the American dream. He wants to get away, and he's got this he's had this dream to head into the into the uh, the jungle. And whereabouts is it? Uh,
1: it's down in South America, I believe. Yeah,
0: the Belize, yes yeah, up there. So anyway, they he heads off, takes them there. He's got this vision. At, it's at the start as well. He's all you, you you're there with him as well because he's passionate and he wants his, the best for the family and everything. But as as it goes on. He, well, he starts doing good things. He builds these machines, which makes things easier for them. But as time goes on, things happen, and he, he can feel his family slipping away and his dreams slipping away, and he gets more and more desperate, maybe a little, uh, more paranoid. And maybe something else is going on in his head, you're not quite sure, but it just gets worse and turn, things turn violent. But you see him panicking and becoming manic and just... He goes from this loving family man and... Or maybe that love is what sort of the passion and everything he has just gets twisted and turned around, and you just see this, you, you see this, this character fall apart and just try become desperate and vicious to do things, and it just anyway, it's worth seeing if you haven't seen it. I think I believe there's been a, a new TV adaptation as well, but Harrison Ford does great things with it because it's it's such a it's a role which was different anyway, but it changes so much from the beginning to the end as well. It's great seeing the decline of this. Loving, brilliant, intelligent family man, but it's a it's a great film, great performances, and that's my number three.
1: That's a great choice. You know, it's I have a it's interesting with uh, Mosquito Coast because um, it did not make my list, uh, even though I, I would definitely say it's probably one of his best performances. But um, you know, here it came out in '86, so you're talking after the three Star Wars films and the first two Indiana Jones films, and that was kind of one of his first major movies after that you know, one, two, three, four, five punch of those films. And um, I remember I went to go see it in theaters with my family as a kid because it was like, oh, it's the new Harrison Ford movie and I was 11 at the time and that is not a movie that an 11 year old can have any appreciation for, right? And I remember even as a kid, I remember thinking like his performance was amazing but I also just didn't get the movie at all, didn't like the movie at all. It was just, you know, it's not a film for, for kids, it's an adult movie. And I think you know, I didn't understand back then the concept of, like, why would Harrison Ford make this movie that isn't, like, fun and awesome? You know, why, why would he take on this serious, dramatic role? And now, of course, as an adult, you know, I get it. But it's funny. I've never gone back and rewatched the film again yeah. uh, because I didn't like it. It's on my list to get back to because... Um, in fact when we were still even looking at this i was like oh mosquito coast you know it's been on my list for a while to kind of revisit it because i think i'll have a whole new appreciation for it not saying i'm gonna love it but at least i won't hate it most likely and if nothing else i'd like to see the performance and honestly what's funny is i completely didn't even realize that was helen mirren in that film with him i've just yeah. always remembered in my head that's a harrison ford movie and i was like oh really yeah. when you said helen mirren i was like really that's who's in it uh, right. because i'm very disconnected from it so i'm gonna have to rewatch it but yeah i uh didn't make my list but again that's just because of my personal history with it so good choice.
0: what you think of it after all these years yeah
1: yeah yeah for sure i think i won't be surprised if i like it more again i don't think it's gonna suddenly rocket to the top of my favorite films list but uh i probably will not have quite the same reaction i had to it as an 11 year old you know yeah yeah cool all right very good okay so my number two is uh did i did i remember to look up the year for this one again no. Why would I do that? I could have done that anytime while you were talking, but did I? No. No, I did not. Why did
0: you make a more riveting podcast?
1: Yes. Yeah. So my number two is from 1995, and it is Sabrina, the remake of Sabrina, Ooh, where he plays nice. Linus Larrabee, taking on the uh, Humphrey Bogart role. So that makes two of my favorite actors who have played the role of Linus Larrabee. Um, and actually, I love both versions of the film, Sabrina. I love the original with uh, Bogie and... and uh, Audrey Hepburn, and I actually really love the remake with um, Harrison Ford and uh, Greg Kinnear. To me, Sabrina is actually one of the great underrated romantic comedies of the 90s. Uh, I think it is just a terrific film. Um, I I really love it. I love the story. Uh, I think it's really well written. It's really witty. It's got just great... Every It just works on every level. And again, this was Harrison Ford sort of playing the, you know, as he's usually the ladies' man who, you know, gets the girl in most of his movies, at least up till that point. In this one, which ultimately I guess is what happens. But in this one, he's basically not even interested, right? He is yeah. just this, this businessman who's too caught up in the in the business world to kind of, you know, to make a play for the girl until he sort of realizes that they, they maybe have feelings for each other. And, um, you know... It, 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 it there's a convoluted sort of way they get together, but uh, I always felt like this was a movie that deserved more attention and more box office success than it got. And I just think he's like the perfect guy. He's perfect in that role. You know, like you totally believe him when he's completely uninterested in her and, and he's just all about the business, but then you also believe him when he's, you know, falling in love with her. And, you know, that's, it's a cliched thing for rom-coms and I get that, but like, he makes it work so much better than it maybe should, you know, uh, yeah, because yeah. he's so perfect in that role. And I just, I always really, really liked that movie, and I think it deserves more attention. So that's why that's my number two is Sabrina from
0: 1995. Cool. Yeah, good. Uh, I I remember enjoying that film, but I don't really remember in any great detail. I think I saw it when it came out. So yeah, that's why I, mean, I, that's, I think, think.
1: Yeah, I do like right, the stories. Right. I, I think that's most people's experience with it was like they watched it and they were like, yeah, that was fine and didn't really, and, and maybe it's not that great. Like maybe people, like I like to think if people watch it again, they'll they'll realize how good it is and maybe they will and maybe they won't. I don't know. And maybe I just like it more than other people. Like maybe I just overestimate how good it is, but I love that film and, uh, you know, I think he's great in it. So that's that's my number one, my number two. Cool. Sorry.
0: Cool. Okay, my number two is from 1993 and it is Dr. Richard Kimball in the film The Fugitive. Which, based on the TV show, stars Harrison Ford alongside Tommy Lee Jones, Joe Pantoliano, and lots of other people. We're, you know, the one, it's a, the doctor comes home, his wife's been murdered by the one on man, but nobody believes him. So he goes on the run because they think he murdered her. And it's just a big, big chase scene, uh, just lots of great, great moments. I mean, it's obviously, you've got the great performance by Tommy Lee Jones, Tommy Jones and Harrison Ford, two grumpy old men together. <laughs> but,
1: uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, the performances are great. It's I mean, both of them seem to be really into the role as well. Tommy Lee Jones got loads of humour going on in his his role when he starts putting things together. Uh Harrison Ford though is it's really good being this intelligent man who's out of his depth but just does whatever he needs to do to just track down the one on man by the by the great uh what's his name? Andreas Katsoulis who is brilliant was yeah. in Babylon. Five, but uh, yeah, uh, great performance. I just like it was just good seeing him figure everything out and and go on the run and just uh, track people down and and just try and survive. And I mean, when he's eventually tracked down by Tommy Lee Jones, that that scene as well is just brilliant. Uh, it's all, all I almost it was a toss up between this one and Frantic because I always feel the characters are a little bit the same, mm, right, in, in different ways. But uh, I, I went with this one because I just had a lot more fun with this film. Yeah, uh, that's my number two.
1: That's an excellent choice. It actually did not make my list, and and here's why. I love The Fugitive. It's a great film. I think it's I I it's it's just it's one I watch every few years. I really do like it. It's 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 high up on my list of favorite Harrison Ford Ford films. Um, and everything you said about it is true. But for my list, I was looking at things, and I, I I was on my short list, and it was like when I was trying to decide which ones to include, it was like to me, I said like you know. That's a more traditional Harrison Ford role. and Granted, he's a man on the run, but it's sort of more like action hero Harrison Ford, just more set in like a real world setting. Do you know what I mean? Okay, um, okay, yeah. Which shouldn't be a ding against it. I just think I, I think I felt more like it was just such a big film that everyone loves that I didn't necessarily need to include it, sort of. Do you know what I'm saying? But it could easily oh, been no. on my list anywhere between number one and number five because it's a great movie. He's terrific in it. Um, so I'm glad you put it on there
0: yeah cool
1: tommy lee jones sneaky one of my favorite super favorite actors actually uh yeah yeah which is sort of a thing i've realized in more recent years we'll definitely have to do a top five for him as well one of these days because i oh, think yeah, he's yeah. Just like, eh, tommy lee jones he's tommy lee jones and then you watch movies with him and you're just like there's no movie that's not better because tommy lee jones is in it you know what i mean
0: i think that's the problem if you have these actors who are always dependable always do the a game too well even even the b game or c game is really good compared to lots yeah, of others yeah but these yeah. dependable actors you sort of go well yeah they're good so but they don't they don't pop because all of their roles are good
1: yeah right yeah. right exactly they never let you down so you just sort of start to think of them as like good old reliable but it's like mm-hmm. nobody's great but anyway that's for another episode we'll save yes, that I- for the Tommy lee jones episode so now it's down <laughs> to my number one and it comes from this will probably be the least popular choice on my list for most people, but that's okay because I do things my way, like Frank Sinatra. Uh, it is from 1991. It is the film that gave us the immortal quote, nice table, which I'm the only person who quotes, but it's one of my favorite movie lines of all time. It is regarding Henry in which he plays the title character of Henry. Yeah. Uh, and so he plays a not very nice lawyer. Uh, who is not particularly nice to his wife and his family. Um, and he is kind of a jerk and he gets shot uh, in a like, you know, convenience store robbery and basically has to learn to like talk and function again. Uh, and you know uh, now, now that I've now that I'm married to a speech therapist, I'm curious how much they actually uh, give the speech therapist credit or if it's just Hollywood eyes. So my wife might not agree with this choice. Um, but, uh, I've always thought this is a really good movie. Again, another one I think he's is underrated. I think he got nominated for the Oscar for this one though. He didn't win, but I think he got nominated. I think um, what I love about it is, yeah, it's maybe a little bit schmaltzy, perhaps, um, you know, but it's this character who's very unlikable, which is not something Harrison Ford does very often. And you know, then because he has to kind of relearn who he is and relearn how to be in the world he becomes a much nicer person it's like a second chance you know and i just think that um it's it's a it's a really good like heartwarming movie with a lot of humor and um i think his performance is fantastic i think he was rightly so nominated for the oscar and you know for a guy who i think is a great actor but doesn't do a lot of the movies that kind of engender oscar nominations i thought that was a really good one um to see and i I think it's uh you know it's it's just a really good film i think his performance is is great and it's something again something a little bit different and again it has one of my favorite lines because the setup there which i know nobody knows i'm talking about is in the beginning of the movie (laughs) he's walking out he tells his wife and he's like how many times i told you get rid of that damn table looks like a turtle and then when she brings him home for the first time after he gets out of the hospital the first thing he says he walks in he looks at the table he goes oh nice table and which i always found just like just, I don't know, perfect writing, like perfect film writing, you know what I mean? Like it's such an aside, it's like a throwaway line, but it's so funny and so I often will say, nice table and no one ever knows, if anybody ever was like is that from regarding Henry, I would probably have a heart attack and die right on the spot <laughs> anyway, that's my number one, regarding Henry
0: good stuff, it almost made my list to be honest, because it is, it's a definite departure from Han Solo and Indiana Jones, oh. it's a great performance yeah. uh, but it's its one I've not seen in a while so I didn't want to, I couldn't didn't feel justified putting it in OK, but right, uh, wait, my
1: hand, hand. before you tell us your number one, I think I know what it is, but this is solely based on my presumptions about you, your movie taste and how you make your list. And I don't know if I'm right or not. Um, so I don't want to say it out loud. Do you want, you want to write it to, down? Just me. Yeah, 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 I'll do that. Hang on hang on let's do that we'll see if i know you because last time you remember i thought i knew you really well we did the top five list and i was like oh there's two films that are definitely going to be on your top five list oh that's right yeah i think neither of them was wasn't that what it was
0: i think so yeah. yeah
1: um so i apparently don't know you at all phil you're a complete stranger to me um but let's see if i'm right tonight so i have written down the movie that i think it is. Or I secretly have every Harrison Ford film written down. In <laughs> I'm going to quickly flip to that page. But more likely, I just have the one I think it is. Let's hear your number one.
0: Uh, this is from uh, 1995, directed by Peter Weir. It is Witness. Damn it. <laughs> what did you have written down?
1: Apparently, I don't know you at all, Phil. <laughs> I'm, I'm a terrible friend. What is wrong with me? You probably guessed my whole list before I did it. And here I am. Uh, I thought maybe you were going to go with What Lies Beneath.
0: I've never seen it. That's, what? what You've never I mean, seen what lies
1: beneath?
0: No, I realized doing this list, I went. You know what? I've not seen that.
1: You should really I, watch it. That's a that's a I good. Know, I know. I know. That's I don't know movie. why I've not seen it. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. Witness, great choice. Almost made my list, but did not. But you go ahead. Yes.
0: Yeah, so, so he plays Sergeant John Buck, uh, who's a he's a cop, detective, uh, and it's he's basically a kid from an, uh, an Amish, 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 Amish. Amish, uh, the witnesses are murdered while they're in the big city. And then uh, Harrison Ford, uh, his detective, goes back with them to the, commu- the Amish community and to protect this this boy played by Lucas Haas. Uh, he gets involved in the community. It also involves Harrison Ford, skilled as the carpenters. They raise a barn and do all that kind of stuff. He sort of, from, from being in the big city as this cop, you see him transition into just enjoying the simpler aspects of the life uh, and he the, him and Kelly McGillis have a bit of a relationship going on and then just as he's really getting into the swing of things and really enjoying it, finding peace the conspiracy around the people who did the, the, mer- the, the murder that the boy witnessed track him down and it's got I, I love the scene at the end where they're just going after him and he's using his knowledge of the farm and everything and to to fight back but i i'd quite like this because uh it's it was good seeing him it was nice it was nice seeing him chill out for the while he's in there but also be out of his depth he's because he's 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 a big city cop then he's in this community which is not nothing he's ever been before and it's seeing him coping with that but um trying to trying to relate to these people who he's got modern to relate to but then you find out that the differences aren't that far apart uh, and it's it's just i I just always love it's Peter weir as well he always has this almost like dreamlike quality to his films yeah i just yeah. He gets the sun maybe it's the way because they do film what's magic hour i'm not sure but it's just the whole vibe of it and it's just Harrison ford's performance just anchors the whole thing yep as we we, we see the community through his eyes it's probably yeah. the first time many of us saw anything about the amish community as well it's sure. and that was for me we might, we might have heard about it, but actually we saw what it was all about, and you could see what this this sense of community was that brought it together. And also, this one earned eight nominations at the Oscars. Yeah, yeah. And I believe add,
1: he was also nominated for Best Actor. Yeah, Best Actor
0: for that day. one. And yeah. uh, for lots of awards for But yeah, that's uh, that's my number one. Sergeant John and Witness.
1: Yeah, such a good name, too. I always remember yeah, that's yeah, one yeah, of Those I, character names you never forget just because yeah. it's so interesting. But, you know, didn't make my list, even though I love that movie, and I think it's a great choice. And I think it was just the same thing as... Um, the fugitive world to me, it was a little bit like I was just like, it's kind of big and obvious, and it's a great role. I just didn't, you know, I, I was trying yeah, to yeah. be focusing more on the smaller stuff that people haven't seen, but like I love Witness, I think it's a great film, he's great in it. So, you know, that's an excellent choice for your number one. So, I'm glad you included that. Yeah, nice, but it's,
0: it's, good. it's good that our list include, there was no similarity, so it's no, there films. was no
1: crossovers. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. So, uh, two, two, um honorable mentions that i'll i'll mention Uh, well i had what lies beneath was one also but uh i almost included call of the wild actually because i really liked the, his version of Call of the Wild, and I thought that he does some really great acting opposite a CGI dog. So I feel like that kind of deserves some 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 mention. Um, and then The Age of Adeline, another very underrated, underseen film with uh, Blake Lively um, that he's more of a supporting role in, but I think he's really terrific in it. So those were two that I I wanted to mention, but are not didn't quite make the cut. Anything from you, or did you? Did we cover? Um,
0: no, was the that was the other one was k K nineteen the Widowmaker where he plays. Uh, the Russian submariner, yep, which I, I quite liked in that as well. But it's that's more like an ensemble piece with all the, yeah, all yeah, the, yeah. So, but I liked him in that. But uh, yeah, as we've said, he's been in lots of. Is that everything? Yeah, because mentioned frantic as well. So that was right. uh, that's uh, yeah, so many good films, so many yeah. different films as well.
1: Yeah, great career for sure. One of my favorites. Yeah. All right very cool so there you go that is our top five uh harrison ford roles non-indie non-han solo uh and phil tell people why they should tell us what their top favorite harrison ford roles are or where they can do it or whatever you, you like can leave
0: comments wherever you're watching and listening to this podcast oh we just had a bar wow, my magic pointing finger
1: look at that that was oh, impressive the harrison Brown, ford the point.
0: oh yeah air Force one that was another one
1: yeah, I thought about Air Force One also. That was actually on my short list, too. So Richard Brown says, The Fugitive, Clear and Present Danger, Air Force One, Call the Wild, nice, Mosquito Coast, uh, Deckard is a little robotic, or is he? Agreed, agreed, but different still, which is why I give him credit, sorry, and Count Me In for the Time of the Jones Top 5. Yes, thank you very much. All good choices. All movies I thought about, honestly, um, I you know definitely considered uh the jack ryan role but again fell a little too much into the sort of traditional harrison ford action hero thing for me uh, i was really trying to focus on movies that that again were a little bit more um out of that realm and that's why air force one didn't make it also even though i love that movie um too but both again i basically struck out all of the movies where he sort of plays an action hero uh basically mean, look at my list you know none of them with the exception of Blade Runner is an action here, and I think that's why. So, so Air Force One, the the Fugitive, the Jack Ryan movies, Witness, all those basically got struck from my list. It just <laughs> I, that's just I just went in a different direction, but those were great choices. So, thank you, Richard. Appreciate it. Yeah, Bill, I was thinking,
0: about the, I was thinking about the Jack Ryan films, but it's I realized it's been a while since I've seen them all, and it's always ones where I think I enjoyed them at the time I was watching them, but then afterwards I just go, uh,
1: yeah, I I probably I, well, need
0: to revisit them because it's been it's been such a long time. Since I've yeah.
1: seen any I rewatched them a couple of years ago, and they are actually quite good. I I, uh, I like that you included "Clear and Present Danger" as opposed to "Patriot Games," Richard, because I agree. Like I used to like "Patriot Games" better. Uh, it's more of the actiony one, and and "Clear and Present Danger" is a little bit more cons conspiracy or like political it's a little bit more heady you have to think about it a little bit more but i when i rewatched them a couple years ago i actually really liked clear and present danger because it's a deeper movie patriot games is much more of like harrison ford protecting his family versus terrorists you know that kind of like get off my plane it's you know it's air force one but in a house type of thing uh Mm -hmm. whereas clear and present danger is a little bit more like follow the political breadcrumbs get yourself into trouble you know them a bunch of action but uh i do i do actually like that one quite a bit yeah. I want my dog out of my office, but you can go ahead.
0: Okay. Oh, so as I was saying, thank you, Richard. Uh, thank you, Mike. If you uh, want to let us know your top five favorites, none in the Han Solo film roles, you can leave them comments wherever you're watching or listening. This, we will see them after the fact. So even if it's, you know, watching it live, we do check all the comments. We do appreciate them all. And if you have any more top five lists uh, you can suggest, can be obscure ones about individual scenes yeah. weird gadgets things like that or about actors you'd like us to see to do that or any films you want to recommend that we go after the ending of we've done a whole heap of them so far so
1: <laughs> but yeah there's many lot. many
0: more that you can suggest
1: exactly all right so we are not done yet we have one more brief little segment to talk about and it is ate recommends what are phil and i digging on right now uh so um phil would you, like to tell, would you like to start? Tell us what you are into these days.
0: Yes. Well, this is the, we, we discuss things which can be films, but it can be anything. I have got a couple of board games. Or, All right. Well, actually, it's, well, they are, as Board people call them board games, tabletop games, but one's more like a card game, and the other one is a dice game. I cool. will start with the, the groovy, uh, the really nice, well, it's actually, I should have my cards ready. Well, anyway, this is it. Radlands, it's a card game two-player card game, which has got this cool, uh, it's almost like a cyberpunk aesthetic to it, but it's basically set in a Mad Max-style, post-apocalyptic world. Can you see some of the things there? Yep. Some of yep. the cool. Where It's its a great little game where you have three bases, a few bases to protect, and you get water, and you can spend water to get people to your camps, and the aim is to destroy the other people's camps, and you have very limited resources, so it's a constant trying to get more people to your camp. And then, but also activate them so you can destroy the other people. But it's very thematic. Uh, the cards are great, and when you start looking at them and they're going, well, why can this do that? So, you go, it's brilliant. But the uh, the artwork is stunning, and it's a lot of fun. It takes it's very quick and easy to learn as well. But it's, I, I think, the more you play it, the more strategy, and the more times you go, oh no, I'm going to lose. But it, it's also got a great thing where you do these events which slowly tick down, and so you can see the opposing player is going to destroy you in my like two or three moves. So you're trying to. Get everything together, and the second one is a dice game called Marvel yes. Dice Throw.
1: Nice,
0: which uh, you it's a t- another t- well, it's it's they say you know, four players, but it's mainly a two player game, you can have teams yeah. and things. But Marvel Dice Throw in this box contains Scarlet Witch, Thor, Loki, and Miles Morales, Spider Man. But you can play any two any combo together. There's also a couple of other boxes which are just two players, which you can just get that, and that's that's enough to play. The other two include Doctor Strange. Black Panther, Captain Marvel, and Black Widow. It's great fun. Each character is different, uh, has different abilities, but it really goes into the themes of them. I played the other day with Scarlet Witch against Loki, so you got somebody can bend reality with a trickster, and it was really, really good the way it happened. It's real good fun. Uh, it also compatible with any previous Dice Throne games. But that's it. So Dice Throne, from what's the publisher? Roxley and Marvel. And Radlands is by
1: – oh, also Roxley. Oh, oh, cool. There you go. There we go. Yeah, like, Unintentional
0: cool. uh, thing. But there you go. That's my <laughs> recommendations.
1: So I have not played Radlands, but I am a huge Dice Throne fan. I love it. Um, Actually, the only reason I haven't recommended it on the show before is I actually backed the Marvel Dice Throne on Kickstarter. Um, and the box that it comes in is about, about – this big so i'd have to be like this this is it's humongous it's all eight characters in the one box yeah
0: it friend, um, it.
1: yeah it's janky yeah. yeah, ginormous and so i love marvel dice throne it's one of my favorite i love dice throne in general it's one of my favorite games um but uh i don't uh i did not want to lug that thing upstairs so <laughs> i'm glad <laughs> you recommended it um all right excellent so um so my recommendation is a book um and it is let me do the thing here we go oh that's wrong person ha 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 look at that i zoomed it on you phil It is here we go. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying this right. Arsène Lupin, gentleman thief. It is the illustrated version from Magnetic Press. So this was a Kickstarter, but now it's available in stores. So it is the original French text in English translated uh, with very nice illustrations, as you can see. Wow, Uh,
0: artwork gorgeous. The covers are very.
1: It's it's really. the artwork really fits the story nicely. You know, it's not done as like a really slick graphic style. It's like very kind of turn of the century, sort of old style, you know, artwork. Um, here's the thing before all of my, uh, all of our international viewers, and listeners get on my case about this. I know that Lupin has been like a very popular character slash franchise in many parts of the world for many years, but here in America he's kind of like Tintin. He's relatively unknown, you know, Um and uh, so I, I I supported this Kickstarter for Magnetic Press because I support most of their Kickstarters, and I was interested to learn more about Lupin and Lupin, however you say. I think it's Lupin. Uh um, Lupin. Lupin. Okay. And so I was like, great, I'll support this. So I started reading this, and you know, um, a while back, and I was blown away by how good it is for a book that was first written in like, I don't know. Some like a really long time ago i want to say turn of the century but no it might have been like the 50s but whatever it was it's not like it's a new thing but i was really impressed by the writing style like it's very much that sort of you know he's a charming gentleman thief and so like you've got this really likable character this sort of dashing who's smarter than everybody else who can always get out of trouble but he's always a gentleman and a ladies man and like he's you know um, slick, and he's never worried. He's never stressed out. He's always 100% in control. He's always 10 steps ahead of everybody else. You know, it's that, it's that classic kind of character, and it's really fun and really charming. And I just didn't expect it to be that good. You know what I mean? Like, I just thought it was going to be kind of like, all right, let's see what this character's all about. But I didn't expect to really sort of fall in love with uh, the writing and the book. It's by Maurice LeBlanc, is the name of the author, by the way. But now, of course, I do want to check out some of the other. There's many. I know they did. They have cartoon series and a movie and things like that. And I think there's more books. So now I'm all in on this character of Lupin, Arsene Lupin, and I want to read more uh, about him. So that is my recommendation. If you again, it was a Kickstarter book originally, but it's in its bookstores. Like this exact same version, you can get um, in bookstores, and uh, it's it's really terrific. It's a great way to read. It. It's a novel, but it's just it just feels good reading it. Nice on the big pages and having illustrations every books couple of days. pages. So. Highly recommend it.
0: Yeah, I just checked. Yeah, from 1905, first appeared. There we go. It was turn
1: of the century. Okay, I thought so. Yeah, so I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you know, and it takes place in the 1800s, but it's just, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it, yeah, it's really fun. Really, really fun. I,
0: I, I've, n- I've never read any of the books, but I was aware there was like, a, there was a, an anime, I think, basically. Yeah, on an anime, anime series. Yep. I've liked the uh, the Netflix show, the French TV show, Star Yeah, lately.
1: that's next on my list. I really want to watch that. I hope it captures the the feel because of Because I
0: like, I like that almost size character. He's he's basically read the lupo the lupin books. Right. And he's thief based on them and all that kind of stuff. So it's I like the way it integrates it all in there. But I might I might get that book that you've got there because it looks stunning.
1: It's really great. I highly recommend it. I think you'll really enjoy it.
0: Cool. Good yeah. recommendation.
1: Thank you. Likewise. Alright, so there you go. Those are just our recommendations. Hopefully some things that will help keep you guys uh, entertained for a little while, but uh, that is going to start to wrap us up for this episode. <clears throat> uh, Phil, uh, before we wrap things up, any any final parting thoughts that you'd like to share?
0: Uh, go out and watch some films you've not watched before. And even if they're bad, you know, in just watch them and see how you get on and then maybe pick an actor that you like and then delve into what they've been doing and, and see yep. what, what you can discover. There's so many hidden gems out there that we don't watch. We get stuck in our ways watching the same old, same old, but go out and pick new films. You'd never, you'd never dream to watch and see how you get on.
1: Absolutely. that's great advice. Um And also I just, I just remembered, <coughs> excuse me. Allergies are acting up tonight. Uh, Once again, we mentioned the top of the episode, but uh, Thanksgiving is coming up here in the U.S. uh, next week. So this episode will drop about a week before Thanksgiving. Uh, So if you're listening before then, have a great holiday weekend. If you're listening after then, I hope you had a great holiday weekend. If you're listening in the U.K. or other parts of the world, I hope you had a nice Thursday. Uh, I don't know what else to say for you guys. You know, it's a, it's a big deal here, but you guys don't get to enjoy yeah, yeah. it, I guess. So, uh, but no matter what, what you celebrate, I hope you have a great day, great weekend, great evening, no matter what time of year it is. So you can be listening to this in July, for all I know. Then Happy Fourth of July but here in the U.S. Yeah, I keep picking the U.S. centric holidays. It's terrible. Oh, Sorry about that. God. I apologize to all of our international listeners. I'm a terrible human being. <laughs> we forgive you. Thank you. It was not intentional. All right. <laughs> So on that note, before I get myself into more trouble, uh, it is time to close things out. So thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you enjoy the show. Reach out to us. But until next time, I remain, as always, Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And we'll catch you next time.
0: After the ending.